As I prepared and reflected on this, uh, these readings, I actually came across an article in the National Catholic Register by Monsignor Charles Pope. Maybe you read the same article. And it was, it was uh, he came across this saying that was uh, from Archbishop Charles, uh, excuse me, Christopher Pierre, who is the nuncio here in the United States on June 16th. And he was talking, he was addressing the USCCB, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. And his fundamental message came from Pope Francis. And he said, the kerygma, the proclamation of the good news is not a traditional custom or a certain social practice, but the kerygma is the joyful announcement that Jesus Christ is a living person of whom we will come to encounter in this Mass particularly because it is through his resurrection that he has defeated sin and death. And not only do we hear his words, but we will eat his body and drink his blood to have eternal life. We hear in the, the psalm, the hand of the Lord feeds us. He answers all our needs. I think that's fascinating based on the readings that we heard today. So this Sunday, as uh, Father Cliff said in the beginning of Mass, we begin over the next four weeks, and, and well, five for today, through the sixth chapter of John's Gospel. We might call that the Bread of Life Discourse. The church will spend this next five weeks, so it must be a pretty important reading. Now, just a little background in the Gospel of John, and we know that this is a very famous story, the multiplication of the loaves. It's in every gospel. We've heard it over and over and over. I've been a deacon for 21 years, and I know personally I have preached on it many times. It's a fun gospel to preach on. And it's an important gospel for us to hear again. But I'm wondering... And I had to think in my own self as I reflected and prayed, did I ever realize that there were barley loaves or was it just bread and fish? Well, the, gospel, the readings today really indicate and it talks a lot about barley loaves and it started with the first reading with Alicia who received 20 barley loaves and he told, it to, told the person that was giving it to him to put it in front of the, the people that were there. And the guy kind of questioned whether that would work very well. He says, I only have 20, and there's over 100 people. Put it there anyway. Again, the hand of the Lord feeds us. He answers all of our needs. And he did. Elisha did better than Elijah. And he was, who was Elijah? The greatest prophet of all. But because Elisha took 20, he took 20 barley loaves and fed 100 people, Elisha, or excuse me, Elijah only continued to make more flour and oil for one widow, one son, and himself. I think Elisha did a little better. 
feeding over 100 people. But Jesus took five barley loaves and fed more than 5,000. The gospel says there was 5,000 men there. Well, it says people. The other gospels actually say men. Well, if there was 5,000 men there, there was more people than that because they probably had children there and they probably had their wives there. Regardless, we know that the hand of the Lord feeds us and he answers all our needs. And Jesus took those five barley loaves and two fish and fed all of those people. And there was 12 wicker baskets. I have no idea what size they were but there was 12 of them left over. So let's consider all of this one time so that we understand what this really means in our own life. In the discourse, in the sixth chapter of John's gospel, Jesus takes these loaves, he took them, he blessed them, he broke them, and he gave them out. Kind of like what Father's going to do in a few minutes. He's going to take the bread. He's going to bless the bread. He will break the bread. And we will distribute the bread. It's not bread anymore. It is Jesus Christ, his real presence, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Jesus Christ is truly present. He's present here in his word. He is the incarnate word of God. Everything that was created is for him. That includes us. And Jesus tells us in in this sixth chapter, we'll hear it in future weeks, if you eat my body and you drink my blood, you will have life eternal. And in two weeks, you're going to hear all of those around that very moment grumble. It was a hard teaching It's an amazing teaching, and many of them left. Now, I don't know if you've read this. I've read this, and I I have to scratch, scratch my head when I hear about surveys because nobody ever surveyed me about my belief in the real presence. But the survey that I read recently from the Pew folks that 70% of Catholics do not believe in the real presence of Jesus Christ. That's really hard for me to imagine that that would be true. But the reality is, is that Jesus is truly present in the Blessed Sacrament, and we're going to kind of talk about that here in the next few minutes as I continue on. Jesus took these five barley loaves on this very Sunday when this happened, or this very day when it happened, he took those five barley loaves again. He blessed them and he passed them out. And there was a bunch left, right? Twelve wicker baskets. That's a lot of food. What does that really represent? Well, there was 12 sons of... uh, There was 12 tribes of Israel... There was 12 apostles. And those five loaves, possibly, because Jesus also transformed the Mosaic law into a much bigger and greater and more nourishing meal himself. 
his body and blood for us to eat and drink and have eternal life. Those five first books, the Pentateuch or the Torah, Jesus changed that great law. And Moses also predicted in Deuteronomy 18, 18, that God would raise up a greater prophet than himself. That's why at the end of the gospel, the people got it. They knew that this possibly could be a greater prophet. And that's why Jesus slipped away. But Jesus is more than a greater prophet. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the bread of life that we ourselves are able to consume, and he stays in our tummy. As Father Cliff told me a little while ago, for at least 15 minutes after we receive, Jesus is here to transform you and me into something different, into something better, that we can go out into the world and be his eyes, his ears, his mouth, his hands, and his feet, that our light can shine, that we can be that salt of the world that we need to bring flavor, that we need to bring into a very dark space, a place that still is seeking God. As Augustine said, we are restless until we rest in you, O Lord. And so all people, knowingly or maybe even unknowingly, at some point in their lives will seek the face of God. Jesus is here. And so if someone's ever asked you, another Christian denomination, for instance, is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Have you ever had a personal encounter? Yes, I have. I was baptized, I was confirmed, and I eat his body and drink his blood on a regular basis. He is in me, and he's in you. And his real presence is here today. As it says in the Catechism, that after the consecrative words, that transubstantiation of the bread and the wine into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ, that bread and wine do not exist anymore, that Jesus is truly present, really present, substantially present. His body and his blood is here. And it goes on to say, anyone who desires to receive Christ in the Eucharist, Eucharistic communion must be in the state of grace. And anyone aware of having sinned mortally must receive communion without having received absolution in the sacrament of penance. That comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting with verse 27. I know that so well because I used to be in jail and prison ministry and it was a part of my spiel, as it were. To keep, Mother Church wants to keep us safe, and that's why it's in the catechism. So let's consider for our own self how great our God is. The hand of the Lord feeds us. He answers all of our needs. And so we might say, how great is our God? Our God is so great that he leads us into his presence and he feeds us his meal. How great is our God? He is so great that he has found a way for each of us to join the disciples at the Last Supper or 
what we really should say at the first supper of the kingdom. So let us ask ourselves perhaps at, before communion time, what am I doing when I receive communion? Am I just following the crowd? Probably not, hopefully not. Am I receiving some sort of a blessing? Not, not really. We are receiving Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity, so that we will have eternal life. And so what is it that I'm receiving is that great food, that Eucharist, that Thanksgiving dinner, because Eucharist in Greek means Thanksgiving. So may we continue on in this Mass, this Eucharistic celebration, to enter into Jesus Christ in a different format today. May we not take it for granted that the Blessed Sacrament is always going to be here. Because there's places, not thanks God, thanks God, not in Broomfield, but there are places where there are no priests to celebrate Mass, and people have to wait a long, long time. I have a deacon brother who goes to Africa on a regular basis, and there's a priest and a deacon, and there's 40 parishes that they need to travel. He starts on one, and he goes to the west, and the other, the priest starts on the east, and he goes that way. And when they get to the bottom, it's about Easter time, and they have a tremendous celebration. The deacon can only do what he can do, and he can bring a certain amount of Eucharist with him, but sometimes they don't have the Eucharist there, and they celebrate by listening to God's word. We are very, very blessed, especially here, that the Lord is here present with us in word and in body and blood that we are able to receive him, to know him in a very special and particular way. So we hear these last words, the hand of the Lord feeds us. He answers all our needs. Amen.